In the holy name of Jesus, amen. The Lord loves a banquet. After his resurrection, Jesus often shares a meal with the disciples. And I think that says something that Jesus doesn't just show up and teach them something and then go away and vanish. He always has food around, doesn't he? And Jesus Christ is the bread of life after all. And that is not simply a metaphor either. It doesn't point to something else. Jesus is literally feeding people body and soul. Physical eating is spiritual eating. And your spiritual life is manifested in physical ways. There is no real way to separate the physical and the spiritual. Well, there is, and that's called death. But uh, until then, you are you. All eating is spiritual eating. Why do you say prayers before a meal? Like, everyone does this. Well, it's because there is no mere simple food. All food is given by the Lord who loves a banquet, who loves to eat with his people. Given by a Lord who created the world with a garden full of, well, things to eat. And it was good. There's an amazing account. I don't know exactly what it means. It's fascinating. In Exodus 24, where Moses and Aaron and uh, uh, 70 of the elders of Israel go up on the mountain, go up on Mount Sinai, and they see the Lord, and they eat, and they drink with him. It's weird, and it's, it sounds shocking to us, because if you see the Lord, you're supposed to die. But there he is, eating and drinking there with the elders on that holy mountain. But maybe it's not all that surprising because this is also the same Lord who appears to Abraham as three visitors. And when they come, what do they do? Well, Abraham and Sarah prepare a pretty big meal for them. This is the same Lord who institutes a cycle of annual feast days. Like that you're actually supposed to go and eat and drink with other people in the presence of God. And this is continued even to this very day as our liturgical church calendar is still anchored by the Passover, the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Paschal Lamb. So sometimes you, we like joke about potlucks and and uh, like jello molds and jello salads and all sorts of uh, casseroles or hot dishes, depending on where you're from. And, um, and so sometimes people will count the potluck as the third or fourth sacrament, uh, depending on how you number them or count them. And for many years, although it is now canceled in, in more ways than one, you can listen to the radio, you listen to NPR on Saturday mornings and and uh, hear Garrison Keillor tell um, banal yet mildly amusing stories of a Lutheran church in Minnesota, and they're always eating loot fisk or this or that sort of thing. I've never had it. Um, but 
Faith Lutheran Church in Homer, though, is famous for their Lutefisk dinner. So, I, I, again, I've never had it. But it's, in, it's interesting. Church buildings always have basically two main buildings, don't they? Two main meeting areas. There's always a sanctuary, and then there's a fellowship hall. I mean, that's super interesting to me that we build our churches uh, with, we build our places of worship with the direct intention of sharing meals together. It'd be cheaper to just have one room, but we put another one on there instead, though. And why is that? Well, maybe it's because the Lord himself has designed us in such a way that there is nothing better than eating and drinking together. Because everyone has to eat somewhere, so we might as well eat together. And churches develop a reputation for these sorts of things. And that's good. And maybe there's something kind of disarming about eating with people, too. There's something equalizing about sharing a meal together, sitting at a table with someone. Um, it was about six years ago, just about this time of the year, that Zion called me to be the pastor. And we, uh, we came up here to visit. And uh, as is the custom, we had a meal. And uh, someone, I don't know who, someone had brought ribs and they were like super messy ribs as they're, you know, supposed to be. And so here I am uh, downstairs in the basement in the fellowship hall. Um, I'm like trying to act a tiny bit dignified because I still want you to believe that like I'm someone who should come be the pastor here and I'm someone who knows something about something, right? And, and, uh, and I was probably trying to act more important than I actually am, but you all know by now. But, uh, and I was trying my best to stay clean with my one napkin that I had taken. And, uh, but it just, you know what it's like when the napkin then is also just like soaked and it's, it's not going to get any better. And uh, it just got worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, everyone uh, could see that this no, new pastor is not just some sanctified holy man, but he really is just another guy who can't eat ribs without turning into a three-year-old. And there's something wonderful about that. It's beautiful. And then just a couple weeks ago, it was such a joy when we all ate together after Pastor Glowinski's installation. And uh, you know, again, all these like super important people just standing around uh, eating and drinking together. And this is, this is wonderful. And... Who wouldn't want to take part in that sort of banquet? It's great. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me why someone wouldn't want to show up for these sorts of things. Because, I mean, even, even introverts are going to have to eat sometime. And so you might as well do it here with, with all of your brothers and, and sisters. And so it's a very strange story that Jesus tells us today. But at the end of it, we kind of all understand it, don't we? There is no one here who doesn't understand the parable today. The invitations had all gone out for the banquet, and when the time came to come to the feast, every single person who had been invited had better, more important things 
to do. Now, there is nothing wrong with the things that they had to do, of course, because the gifts of, of marriage, of business, of, of, of five yoke of oxen, uh, these are all good things. But do they take you away from the banquet? And so what, what is preventing you from coming to this banquet that the Lord has prepared for you? It is not simply the Lord's Supper, which is kind of everything, all right, for your life, for us together. The Lord's Supper, this brief time that we're given, that gives us a glimpse of the life to come, forgiveness of sins, communion with God and one another. It is a kernel of life that sprouts and blooms for your whole entire life is a Eucharistic existence. The early Christians referred to the Lord's Supper as the Eucharist. It's just a Greek word that means thanksgiving. That's your whole entire life. There are no part-time Christians. You can't be just sort of like into this. This is not just sort of your side hobby or something like that. The history of the church is full of people who come to believe in Jesus, but then they want to delay their baptism because they know exactly what sort of claim that the Lord is making on their lives. And so, yeah, it is something that you need to take seriously. There is no room for a casual Christian who is just baptized on a whim. For the Lord writes his name on every single one of you in water and word. And so you are born again from above in this holy baptism. And there you are picked up and snatched out of the ways of the world. You are taken out of death and brought into life. You are given a new life, one that is not a waste of time. You were dead, and now you are alive. Do you want to be alive? Do you want to live? I mean, who could even begin to answer that question? You really know what you're signing up for. I do not think I don't believe that there is a single person here or that I have ever met who was consulted about their birth. Did your mother and father ask you if you would like to be born? Would you like to be alive? Did they invite you into this life? And then you said, well, yes or no, based on whether or not things would go well or poorly. No. And that's how it goes with the Lord. The invitation goes out and who will come? No one who was invited showed up. Only those whom the Lord calls and brings to himself to eat and to drink with him, they are the ones who come. We are not given to know the inner workings of how this all works, by the way other than that the Lord does this himself 
through the Holy Spirit. And I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me by his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. You see, he does it all. He goes out and picks you up and brings you in. So are you on the fence about all of this? Are you distracted by the temporary things of this world that will fade away? Well, take a look and see who is actually brought into the banquet hall. Who actually ends up at the party? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And who did you think you were? This is a feast for those who have been broken down and crippled by the world that hates you. And this is good. And it's better than we even knew that it could be. And there is a strange thing that happens at the Lord's Supper, at the Lord's banquet. Instead of like eating your fill and then getting full and not eating anymore and being done, with the Lord, the more you eat, the more you are able to eat, and you will never be grossly overfed. Someone came to my study the other week and saw all the books and I said, are all those books about the Bible? Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. And I know people who are still writing more books about the Bible, even today. We will never exhaust the word of God. Instead, you will hunger and thirst for it even more, and he will fill you. Give instruction to the wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. You're never finished with this. And yet, it is already completed. It is a great tragedy when you have confirmation in church, and then you don't come back for more. And uh, I'm never really in a big rush to confirm our youth, because I kind of know what's going to happen, because it's been happening for generations. It is a crazy thing that happens. All of a sudden, the kids who have been studying the faith week in and week out for years, you confirm them and they just, they just vanish and you never get them back. You know, okay, sometimes, sometimes you eat in the car by yourself. That's fine. But it is not good for you to do all this on your own. Because the Christian faith and the Christian life is a banquet prepared by the Lord himself. And no one is alone here. Because we need one another. With Christ as our brother, who is the one who has picked us up and brought us to this table. So taste and see that the Lord is good. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.